Welcome to the Contending for Christ Apologetics Podcast, where Danny seeks to empower believers to defend their faith. This fight is internal, defending against false teachings that are creeping into the church as well as our hearts and minds. It is also external, with believers needing to know how they can solidify and defend their beliefs. So sit back and relax as we contend for Christ. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to C4C Apologetics. I thank you for checking this ministry out. If you have not yet already, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. That way you can go ahead and get notified on when these podcast episodes drop. But just as a rule of thumb, I try to have an episode drop on every Monday at 6 in the morning, my time out in Mountain Standard Time, so that by the time everybody else wakes up, the other half of the United States, it's already out there ready for you. So, Every Monday, I try to have a full-length episode out there, but then also on Thursdays, I try to put a teaser trailer out there, which talks a little bit about the upcoming episode that following Monday. And so, like I said, go ahead, hit the subscribe button so you get notified of when these episodes actually drop. Now, there could be something that happens in my life, and I can't get to one, so that every Monday episode may not actually happen, but when it does... The subscription button's going to let you know. So just wanted to put that plug out there. I do thank you all for just checking in with this ministry. I do pray that God is glorified, God is honored, His Word is elevated, and that we're all just edified by just what this ministry is doing. Feel free also to check out our website, c4capologetics.weebly.com. There's a lot of great information out there, as well as a free book talking about Lordship Salvation. If you haven't checked it out, go ahead and do so. What are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about biblical interpretation, or actually what's considered and called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is really the science, not art, but science of interpretation. How do we take scripture that's upwards of 2,000 plus years old and apply it to our life today? You see, would you pick up any book or just any letter that you found, maybe a parent's letter or something like that, and just read it by ignoring the context purpose or even who who it was written to or for. You see, if you were to read a letter that I wrote to my wife talking about, you know, how much I loved her. And maybe I said that, oh, you, I love you so much. You're so beautiful. You look like 1990 Camaro IROC Z white with with yellow and silver pinstripes. Would you assume that my wife really looked like a car? Would you automatically assume she looks like a beautiful car? Or would you assume that anyone that looks like a car is worth loving? You see, no, that's silly. Then why do we do this when we read God's Word? Why is it that we have poor interpretation methodology when we're reading the written words of the Creator of heaven and earth? You see, it's it's sad, but there's many people in the church today that ignore basic principles of interpretation and just reading that they use an employee reading any other book or letter, but when they're reading God's word, they simply put all these basic principles to the wayside. So today, like I said, we're going to look at the basics of interpretation. Basics meaning these are just some very basic rudimentary methods of interpreting. There's a lot more to what this episode's about. But what are some ways to understand not only what a passage means, but what does it mean to us today, and how does it even apply to us today? You see, my favorite pastor once said to me, whenever someone's preparing to preach or teach a lesson, they always need to ask themselves, who cares? Who cares about this information? 
So it was very important to determine the answer to that question as we read scripture. Who cares? How does it even apply to me? Why should I care? It's finding that answer that we're able to apply the passage to our life today. And we're going to find out how to do this. It's through a process I learned in really my first hermeneutics class when I was getting my bachelor's degree. It was from a book that was written by J. Scott Duvall and J. Daniel Haynes, and the book's called Grasping God's Word. Now, if you're curious, I put a link in the descriptions of this episode uh, for the book on Amazon. I would highly recommend anybody get this book and add it to your theological library for interpretation. So, jumping right into it. This interpretation that the authors of Grasping God's Word uh, use, it, it's really illustrated by two towns separated by a river but joined by a bridge. So, th imagine this. On one hand, on one side, you have an old town. This is the town of the original audience, who the actual letter or the book or whatever the case was written to. This is their town. While on the other side, you have our town. And then in between these two towns is a river. And the river represented differences that separated their town from our town today. But not only was there that river, there was a bridge. There was a connecting bridge that allowed people to cross that river of differences to go from the old town to the current town. So you have that bridge. But overall, there's a theological principle that's found in the original town that we have to discover. And by discovering the principle and looking at the bridge, which is the similarities that join our town with their town, with the similarities and that principle, we can find out how to apply the passage and the principle to our lives today. And so it's a fascinating method of interpretation to find out what is God's word meant then, what does it mean now, and how do I, why do I even care? How do I apply it? So first, their town. This is where we got to try and understand what's going on in the lives of the original audience. Remember, when we're reading uh, books of the Bible, there was a purpose of the authorship of that particular book, letter, whatever the case is. And so for the sake of today's episode, we're actually going to be looking at the passage in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This is a famous apologetics verse. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Meekness and fear. So we're actually going to use this verse to go through this process of interpretation. So the first town, like I said, we have to understand what's going on in the lives of the original audience of who Peter is writing this verse to. This would be considered uh, what's called the historical context. In order to fully understand what Peter is trying to get across, we really got to understand what's happening. Always try to determine who the audience is and the situation they're going through, because that's going to shed a lot of light on the context of why the verse is saying what it's saying. You see, in the very first verse of the letter that Peter writes here, Peter identifies the audience as the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. You see, these are people who were part of what's called the Great Dispersion, which took place in Acts chapter 8. And what had happened was most Christians were scattered among the different Roman provinces due to the heavy persecution of their Jewish leadership of uh, Jerusalem, as well as the Roman government. And so... They were chased out of their homes, they lost their occupations, families even disowned them and ostracized them, and they scattered, they fled. They fled for the fear of their life. 
knowing this information, we can understand that the Christians have been persecuted. Like I said, they lost their families, jobs, reputation, the place in the synagogue and other things. Put yourself in their shoes. How would you fare in their situation? You see, you just came to Christ. You left Judaism for the truth and the message of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, Yeshua. And now, based upon that, you're being ostracized. People are trying to imprison you. They're trying to kill you. And that's what these people are going through. You see, in our passage, looking at the surrounding context, Peter actually shifts from daily living and family life to compassion and not reacting too evilly uh, to how others treat them. You see, he says that God's watching and God is attentive to his children. And that's a blessing, blessed assurance for us today is that no matter what you're going through, God is watching. He is attentive. None of this is catching him off guard. And like Peter's letter goes on to say, he is against those that are doing evil things. And God has a purpose. God has a time, a moment in history in which he will judge the evil acts of the wicked people. You see, he's also talking about suffering for righteousness sake and the blessings that are to be received, which is a remembrance of Jesus's word from actually the Sermon on the Mount. Because he says on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those, uh, blessed are you when men persecute you for my name's sake. And there are two blessings Jesus pronounces for those that are being persecuted. And so when Peter's writing this, it's really bringing to recollection Jesus's sermon uh, at the Beatitudes. He mentions our verse, sanctify the, uh, the Lord God in our hearts. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So when Peter's going from family life to family living, he's talking about people that are doing evil things. He's talking about how God is always attentive and he's watching and he has uh, the timing on when he's going to uh, give retribution to those acts. Then he's talking about suffering for righteousness sake and the blessing to be received. And then he gets into our apologetic verse here, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Contextually, Peter's actually telling these believers that being persecuted for doing well and being Christians, they should actually be doing this happily and have a great testimony getting through this. The ability to get through that trial, that situation, that persecution is a definite testimony to God's work in their lives. And it's going to be that testimony that the persecutors are... They're most likely going to be curious and be like, why are they not rendering evil for evil? I'm doing this to them, uh, put them on house arrest, whatever the case is, and they still love me. And this is where they have to be ready to give an answer on why they're acting like that. Why are they being loving? Why are they not rendering evil for evil or eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth or a fingernail for a fingernail? They have to be ready to give an answer when they're asked, why are you different? You see, so in their town, the historical context, these Christians are being persecuted, but they have the ability to reveal God in them through their testimony and their actions to their persecutors. And it still has possibly to lead them to Christ, at least give them some things to chew on. You see, this is exactly what Paul and Silas did in Philippi with the jailer in Acts chapter 16. Remember that Paul and Silas were doing wonderful works in Philippi. They actually just exercised a demon-possessed girl and freed her. But yet the people there were upset because they lost money in this possessed girl who was uh, the demons would do, quote unquote, fortune telling. And so the locals put him in jail. What were Paul and Silas doing in jail? Well, when they were in stocks in the inner part of the prison, they were singing praises to God. They didn't get upset. They didn't try to escape. They were singing praises to God. 
And then God miraculously freed him with an earthquake. And the jailer in Philippi said, Lord, brothers, he, not brothers. He said, what must I do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says the famous verse in Acts 16.31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And so the persecution that we're going through or that Peter is writing to the audience is there to go ahead and be a passive witness to those that are persecuting. So the theological principle that Peter's trying to get across is basically in the midst of their trials of persecution, they need to focus on just really being a light of Christ, receive the persecution, knowing that God promises blessings, knowing God is attentive, and knowing that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And they need to be ready to be able to tell them about the hope they have in them due to their resilience through the persecution. What is making them different? That's pretty much the theological principle found in the historical context of that passage. That's really what it meant to them then. So what are the differences? What's this river that separates their, their town from our town? Well, for one, we're not part of the dispersions of Acts chapter 8. And being persecuted as heavily as they were then, we're not seeing that persecution, at least here in America. Most of us in America haven't lost our jobs or families for being a Christian. Now, I would go on a limb to say those in Nigeria or Ethiopia or North Korea, they are. But for us here in America, there's not that type of persecution happening yet. So what about this bridge, the similarities? Well, the similarities, there is still some level of persecution we're going through. While we may not necessarily lose our family, some of us will, but we may lose a promotion opportunity at the job. Or we might be ridiculed for a stance we take or be called intolerant or being called a bigot, whatever the case is. We also have the ability, just like them then, to be a light to those around us in response to our situations. You see, seeing the similarities of our town with theirs and the situations that are somewhat similar you know we're able to see what principle uh, where the principle fits and with this verse it's easy because our situations are somewhat similar we too must be resilient in our persecution so as to give a reason for the hope in us when people do ask so what does first peter three fifteen really mean and why do we even care we do need to know why we believe we do need to know why we trust god we do need to have an active living faith like James talks about. And for it to be evident in our trials and situations, we need to have this trusting of Christ as the Messiah and the sovereignty of God so that we can reach others for Christ. And it's when we're getting through these persecutions and these trials, according to 1 Peter 3.15, we are able to be a light for those that are persecuting us and ridiculing us. And when they do ask a question... What makes you different? Why are you not doing this or that? Well, let me tell you, because I know this life today is but a mere vapor of what eternity has for me, and I trust that God's going to take care of me. That's pretty much what the interpretation and the application is for us today. So with the old town, the new town, the bridge, the river, things like that, take this methodology and actually look over Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 is is in my mind very misunderstood and very much misapplied today, and it gives a false witness of God to believers. You see, understand that in Jeremiah 29, 11, the original town in the audience, if you understand what they're going through, you're going to discover what God actually meant in Jeremiah 29, 11, when he said, I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, 
thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. I tell you, Jeremiah 29.11 is not a valedictorian speech at a commencement ceremony because this is given in the face of Israel's judgment by God by the wicked Babylonians. Check this verse out using the method this episode talks about and help us reapply the passage as God had intended it to be applied. It's amazing. It's an amazing promise that God has for all of us. But it's also amazing to see the sovereignty of God. You see, that's pretty much it for today. It's a short episode and everything, but I pray this was helpful for you. I really just want to go ahead and throw out there the basics of interpretation. Like I said, there's a lot more to interpretation and application, but this is just the elementary basics. Figure out what the passage meant to the original audience. Figure out what the similarities really are between us and them. Figure out what the principle, what is God trying to get across to them? And then with the similarities and situations, take that principle and find it, uh, how it applies to our town and our life today. I pray this was helpful uh, for you. You know, feel free to share this episode to anyone you know that may need to enhance their uh, hermeneutics, their interpretation skills, or even if they're just beginning to study God's word, if they're a new believer. Like I said, in the descriptions, there's a link for the book that I mentioned in the episode, and they go over this a, a lot better than what I am here in this episode. And I, I highly recommend you to purchase a copy, give it to someone you know and you love that's trying to uh, start studying, add it to the library. So thanks for checking in. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening. We pray this ministry glorifies God and edifies you, the listener. For more great content, including videos, blogs, newsletters, and a free ebook, check out our website at c4capologetics.weebly.com. You can also email us at c4capologetics at gmail.com with questions or ideas for future episodes. We truly appreciate you. Please like, share, and comment on this episode, and don't forget to subscribe for future episode notifications. Thanks for checking in, and remember to be bold and keep contending for Christ.